So we're going to be reading for our uh, psalm today, Psalm 103. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to do a little differently this morning, as we will actually try to do different things throughout the book of, as we go through the series on the psalms, because the psalms are meant to be done collectively by the congregation. So we're going to do it in a collective way this morning, and we're going to actually do it antiphonally. Fancy word to say, we're, in some ways we're going to exhort one another. And so, you know, we're going to actually split up between left side and right side here. And uh, so I'm not sure where we should divide it. We don't want to divide any families, or should we divide families? I don't know. Um, I can argue either way. God's the great reconciler, right? So, um, but uh, we want to split in the middle, and this side will follow me, and that side will follow Daniel. And we do have a little bit where Kelly's in the middle doing it alone and feeling isolated from the rest of us. <laughs> And then there'll be a couple times where we are all. But the idea is that in a sense, we're like speaking to one another. You know, it, it, like each line, I think we do it with energy. You know, even telling, hey, like sort of like, hey, people realize who God is and what this line says about him, almost to the other side. So speak to the congregation, let them speak to you and hear. All right? So we'll see how we do. And if it's a complete disaster, well, we tried. All right, so hey, let's stand huh? so we read, to read these scriptures together. Let's be full-voiced and with great zeal, all right? And this side, you're with me, and we will be the, we're the bold. Oh, there you go. See? We're the bold, they're the not bold. So who needs to be bolder? We do. little competition here, bold people? All right, let's go. Lord, bless this reading now. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins. And heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. And crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The, the Lord, Lord is, is compassionate and, and gracious, slow to, to anger, abounding in, in love. He will not always accuse. Nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The, the Lord, Lord has established, established his throne in heaven, 
and, and his, his kingdom, kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels. You mighty ones who do his bidding. Who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts. You his servants. Who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, for a chance to gather and to give you praise and thanks. And I pray, Lord, that as we think about it now, as we chew on what it means to praise you, may you speak to our hearts, each, each and every one of us, what we need to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So I think uh, many people here know that uh, we have a rabbit, you know, um, people, and he, uh, he's litter trained, so he just kind of runs around the house wherever he wants. Um, you may ask why. Well, Nikki's incredibly allergic to almost any animal life whatsoever, and for some reason, the rabbit uh, doesn't get her that badly. So there you go, so then we got a rabbit. And he runs around our house, and he's, his main home is in our basement. You know, that's where his box is and his food. But, he, you know, he comes up on the second level where our living room is and our kitchen, and he likes to hang around there because it's, it's warmer. You know, we, he likes to be around people, so he'll hang around there. And if he hears someone in the kitchen, he goes scooting into the kitchen because he knows he can usually get a carrot or a piece of apple or something like that if he comes in there. And you can imagine if you were walking in there and you saw this coming into your kitchen, don't you want to give him like a little carrot or something? You know, even though he had, the carrot's like almost over half his length, and so when he tries to grab it and running off with it, he, he thinks like he's successfully stolen it from us. And I'm like, you know, we just handed it to you. Um, anyway, uh, probably about a year ago, the bunny stopped coming upstairs and would just stay downstairs all the time where it's kind of cold and, you know... Um, no one goes, you know, we go down there, and I would take him up sometimes, but he wasn't coming up on his own. And he's like 10 years old now, which is pretty darn old in bunny land. And uh, we just thought, I mean, he can't even jump onto the couch anymore on his own. And uh, so we thought, okay, he just can't make it all the way up the stairs. It's a long ways up, right? And uh, which is fine, which is fine. Things age. Uh, then last week, he started coming up constantly, multiple times a day. We're like, and in the kitchen like this, like almost like excited for Bunnyland. And you realize he, it wasn't an issue that he wasn't able to get up the stairs. He just forgot. <laughs> Little bunny brain, you know, it's just like, oh, I can go up those stairs and all that's warm up there. It's nice. I can get food. You know, what happened? And I think it's, it's amazing. But I thought, as I thought about that, you realize that there was this, a way better way to live, right? There was this warm place, this place with people, this place with comfort, a place where you can get petted, a place where you can get food that was thoroughly available to him at all times. But he just kind of, and it's not like he chose not to go up there anymore. He just kind of forgot about it. And you might say, why do I bring that up? Because I think actually the Bible would say we're a lot more like that bunny than we think when it comes to forgetting the things we shouldn't. You know, we're in our series on the book of Psalms, uh, beginning it, a playlist for the journey. And the idea is that the Psalms were this really gift from God to help us in this journey that is life. 
You know, journey, the journey is hard. And the, play, and the Psalms particularly were these items of devotion and worship that we could, that could take to help us come along. And a playlist is the idea that we have these different ones which we just know well, that we can call on and use at those different times in our lives when we need them. Um, the Psalms are an amazing book unlike any other. In some ways, they, t- they take up the entire range of the biblical narrative and all the doctrine and combined with the entire range of human experience. From your times of joy to your times of sadness, lament, mourn, confusion, bitterness, all of, the, all of it is to be human in this world, combined with all that the narrative and doctrine have to offer in the scripture in a form that's poetry and song. You know, which are, again, unique things which I think God has fashioned to penetrate into our hearts. In some ways, it's like, you can imagine like song and poetry is the way in which it kind of goes into us easily. And so that's really what the Psalms are. And they're, and they were always, and it's one reason why the Psalms were always the, you know, maybe the most popular scriptures, but they were the most popular in a sense of in corporate worship and in devotion, the Psalms were always present at all places because they were ways which, again, took doctrine, human experience in a way which planted them in our hearts. And so they're a gift from God. But I think many of us, we don't use psalms as much as we should, or as much as God has given it to us. It's kind of like we're people starving for, or like thirsty, needing water, and there's like, God has laid out cups of water, but we don't even take them. We just sit there and go, gosh, I'm so thirsty. And God's like, take the cup. And many ways, the psalms are like that for our spiritual life. And so the goal of this series is that we Take a lot of these psalms which you think are, there's a great one to have in your pocket. This is a great one to know. Psalm 103, you just need to, like, somebody think, what psalms do you have? You know, a lot of us think almost everybody here has, like, Psalm 23 in their pocket. They would know it. They could call on it. There's far more psalms than that. Psalm 103 is, I think, one of these ones, which you should just, you should know it. You should be able to go back to Psalm 103. As we cite it, you see a lot of those truths, and we're going to go over those again now. And we're going to walk through those truths, but then also... Um, there's some tricky pieces, too, that we're going to address, which appear here and in many psalms. So talk about some of the trickiness. But then, and then finally talk about, you know, why it's so important to keep these things before us and why we, why we need it and what it's kind of dealing with and why we don't use it the way we should. So Psalm 103. We'll look at it, this trouble, and then how it really applies into us. So Psalm 103 begins, as we've said a number of times here, we're going to try to reinforce these things. Praise the Lord, my soul. Now, what's one thing that's interesting there off the bat is who's it being spoken to, this psalm? Who's, the, who's being addressed? My soul. That's the audience here. Which <laughs> is kind of interesting. And by the way, soul's not a weird language. Oh, in English, it's kind of this weird esoteric term. It's not at all an esoteric. This is a super common, it's nefesh in Hebrew, totally common. It just kind of means, like, it could mean your life, but it just means yourself. This is speaking to yourself, and which is actually a really important idea because you realize God has given us an ability to speak to ourselves. You ever notice that? Does anyone here not understand what that means when you have to talk to yourself? And, and it, to me, it's amazing that God has given us this kind of unusual ability to talk to ourselves, and then we're actually supposed to use it. You know, and how we, how we speak to ourselves. And, and actually, there's a many, there's, we call this like soul talk, but there's a lot of Psalms where the ones where you're addressing is your soul. And that's who you're speaking these things to. Um, I say this also because this is, a, this is to be done corporate worship. You find it unusual that 
as the people of God are gathered in corporate worship, we're not actually speaking to God? You think, man, I thought we're supposed to be addressing God, but we're addressing our soul, and we're with exhortation. And here also, it's not corporate. These are first person. These are individual. Very unusual, right? I've actually heard a lot of people complain about praise music, contemporary music in the church. It's, it's, oh, it's all first person, and you're talking to yourself, and you're not like these wonderful hymns, and I like it, but we're just talking about God and exalting, like that kind of thing. And, and I get it. Sometimes praise music can be kind of annoyingly narcissistic. But it, it's not just that, but the idea that you're addressing yourself in corporate worship, even as you're doing it collectively, is biblical. It's right here in Psalm 103. And in some ways, you get it, don't you? If you're going to come here corporately and praise God, where does that have to start? It has to start with an exhortation to yourself. It has to start when you come in here Sunday morning or when you sit in your devotion in the morning or when you're at work, you go, soul, praise God. <laughs> you know, it begins right there, and so it makes no sense. And you can see by the end of this psalm, it becomes more corporate. But it begins with a word to yourself, an exhortation to yourself. Praise him. And it's also now, what you'll see a lot of times we go through the Psalms is it's poetry, and it uses parallelism. And it's really important to see the parallelism because it helps you interpret it also rightly. And sometimes the parallelism is doing an opposite. Sometimes it's bringing emphasis to something. It, it does a lot of different things. But, you, but watch the language as you read through the Psalms and watch the, the structure of it. Like right here, you can see, you see the two lines are in parallel, but it goes A, B, B, A, right? Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, which is in parallel to soul, right? Uh, praise his holy name. So right now you've done like a circle there, right? And now it's repeating itself, but it breaks that pattern, doesn't it? It says, praise the Lord, my soul, and now it's parallel thought to that is, forget not all his benefits. And you can just see poetically, right? it lands on that fourth line, doesn't it? Because <laughs> it kind of almost breaks the pattern. But does that, do you find that kind of curious that the parallel thought to praising the Lord my soul is what? To not forget all his benefits. And this is a key exhortation we need to make to our soul because what do we do? We tend to forget. You know, we have bunny brains, you know? And this is one of the things we need to do in worship and regularly is not to forget who he is and what he does. Now, now the psalm goes down, there's going to kind of walk down this, is it hits you with a bunch of quick lines, boom, 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 of things about who God is. It says, um, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with love and compassion, satisfies your desires with good things, things you desire, God gives you good things for those so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Lord works righteousness, justice for all the oppressed. It's just who God is. Boom, you know, the, the, the forgiver, the healer, the redeemer, the one who crowns you. This is all that God is. Remember these things, my soul. Remember this. Now, it may be that you look at this, right? Now, um, and, and maybe you stop for a second and go, hold on, I, I, don't, I don't know if I was redeemed from the pit. Does he heal all my diseases? You know, and you, and you, and you want to, and there's a couple problems with that, right? First, you've taken the thing into some sort of like weird rule book of, you know, you've, you've made, you've taken it from, you know, poetic language into something else, you know, it's like, you know, for heals all my diseases. Anyway, he hasn't healed all my diseases. But, um, 
couple different things on this one. Uh, a, there's, there's the poetic forms are gonna be used hyperbole, naturally like that. But actually he is. This is, the, this is talking about the character of God, right? Because look at the last thing, justice for all the oppressed. And you may say, well, gosh, I don't know if all the oppressed have seen justice right now. Has God failed with that? But this is who God is. It's how he made the world to be. You know, and it's uh, throughout the Torah, he gives laws and stuff to make sure people do not oppress. He comes down and, and ex, you know, he brought a people who's supposed to, uh, to bring into the world to sh reveal his nature and to free the captives and to set people free and to take down oppressors. He promises that he will take down the oppressors, that he will set things right, that he will set the oppressed free. This is who God is and what he will ultimately do. And that's really what this is kind of getting at, even like healing his diseases. This is who God is. This is how the world's meant to be. Death will have no victory and diseases will have no victory. He is the great healer, but also he's in the healer. It's his nature to, uh, you know, his nature is to uh, empower doctors to work even healing now. His nature of his creation itself is to work healing into us. You ever think how amazing it is that they discovered a bark in South America that has this drug quinine which heals these people of malaria? His very creation itself takes away their diseases. I mean, you can go on and on with this thing, but they, you know, the earth, it's the Lord's nature is healing. All healing comes from him and ultimately all healing will. In fact, healing now is always just temporary, right? Until ultimately we die and we have our complete healing. But all I say, but the key idea of this, this is the nature of who God is. He crowns us with love and compassion. It's a beautiful picture, you know, put on your head like that. You know, youth is renewed like the eagles. He works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. And it's a character of God. Then it talks about God being a revealer. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. This is the idea that, you know, um, with the people of Israel, God reached down out of, you know, he's the creator. He needed to, but he reached down to make himself known to us on earth. You know, he chose Israel as his means of revelation to all people. God wanted us to know who he was. This is a quote from Exodus 34, right? This is on Mount Sinai. This is when, you know, Moses, he's saying, he goes down there and he goes past Moses and says, this is my nature. I am the Lord. And he says, I am this. I am compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. This is who I am. And I want to reveal myself to all people. It's actually fairly amazing that this is the nature of God towards us. And in many ways, this psalm is getting so you realize this and understand this. And he goes, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, he will not always accuse nor really harbor his anger forever. Here's a key line. He does not treat us as our sins deserve in the parallel, right? Or repay us according to our iniquities. This is a key thing. You talk about the biblical, what sets apart a biblical understanding of God versus how many religions around the world, they get paid according to their iniquities and as their sins deserve. But that is not how God deals with us. And the key idea is in this fallen world and our fallen bodies, we couldn't handle it if he did, right? If he treated us as your sins really deserve, no one could do it. This is a Psalm 130 says, if you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? Who could stand? The answer to that is no one. But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. 
the idea that God wants a relationship with us. He wants us to be with him, wants us to serve him and be with him. In order for that to even happen, he has to wipe us clean. He has to forgive us because we couldn't, we're not righteous enough to stand before him. When you go and pray before God, you say, God, please listen to me. It's not because of your righteousness he listens to you. It's because of his mercy and his grace and that he's made himself known that he says, please bring it to me by your mercy and grace again. He says, as high as the heavens, this is this amazing statement about what he has done with our sins. As high as the heavens are above the earth, high up in the skies to the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him, his chesed over us, his covenant love. As far as east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us, meaning they are farther than one can see. <laughs> There's, it's in, you know, there is no bridging it. It's not kind of over there or kind of over there. It is beyond reach. It's like the picture, he, and, and how many times he tries to picture this through the scriptures. I mean, something, whenever people say things like the Old Testament's a book of law, the New Testament's a book of grace, or some kind of nonsense like that, you're like, the big problem is you have no idea what the Old Testament says. You know, even revealed in the Torah itself, you know, the Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, all of Israel's gathering, and he, the high priest would put the sins of the nation, like even say it on top of the animal, and then they would watch the animal go out in their midst far away symbolizing that God takes our iniquities and our sins. He realizes we're brokenness, and this is his nature to remove them from us so that we can be with him, so that we can know him, so that he can love us. And that's the amazing thing that this, this psalm says. I mean, some of, these, some of this language is incredible. Then it says, as a father has compassion on his children, this is how God deals with us. You know, that, that, that you could see so much of the psalm, you could hear the Lord's prayer in it too, where he says, you know, where Jesus, the Lord's prayer is pulling up all of this language. Our Father in heaven. You know, our Father who, and what is it, what is the nature that makes a father different than this, you know, even this king or something? Like a father loves us and is utterly committed to you despite who you are. <laughs> you know, it is the nature of their relationship and they have a stake in you. Right? A parent has a stake in their child's prosperity. You know, you want your child to do well because you love them. You care about how they live their life because of your love for them, not as a judge who wants to withhold your love, but as one who's invested in them. I mean, that's Psalm 23, right? He leads us in paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. God has a stake in our lives. I mean, take that in for a bit, that God has a stake in your life. That God loves you as a parent loves their child. You know, it's, a, it's an amazing statement. The Lord has compassion on those who fear him. This, again, again, this mercy, this compassion, this understanding, this separating of our sins is incredible grace, right? You see grace and mercy, right? That's the two different things, right? Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve, right? And God is abundant with both these things. We don't get what we are due, and we do get what we're not due. And that's how God treats us and loves us. And by the way, that's how parents treat their children. I regularly do that. <laughs> Poorly, but it, it's the attempt. It's the attempt to do that um, because I'm not God. But God understands our weakness. And he, he who formed us, right, he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. 
This is you know, Genesis 2. He, he knows what we're made of. He made us. He knows us. The, grass, the idea that he knows our weaknesses. Sometimes we can sit there and go, God doesn't realize what it's like to be human. He doesn't realize my struggles, my fears, my difficulties, my temptations, all the junk that is going. Talk about like self-talk, right? I don't know about you, but it's like loud in there. You know, and there's a lot of, I can't even hear myself talk to me, you know, because there's so much stuff. But God knows that, and he understands it. He understands our weaknesses and our difficulties. He made us. He grasped that. It's an incredible thing. It's revealed throughout the scripture, his knowledge of who we are and his understanding of us and his compassion, his grace towards us. You know, the life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over and it's gone and its place remembers it no more. You know, we, he realized that this is, and he's not, he's not like saying, ugh, you people are nothing. But we, we realize our fragility, don't we? I mean, we, we walk down there and realize that, man, I can be hit by a car when I walk out of there. I feel I'm, I'm no more stable than a flower as the wind blows it. And sometimes, you know, one of the reasons for our, our so much of anxiety and worry all the time is because we refuse to believe that or refuse to acknowledge it. And then, our, then things make our frailty known to us and we, we're shattered. But the reality is we are frail. But he feels in contrast, look at God the one who has his eyes on you, the one who is his father, you are like a wind that blows away, but from everlasting to everlasting. In English, I don't think you can grasp it. It's almost like it hits you like a rock as you read the Hebrew. You're like this flittering thing with the wind blows, but God, everlasting to everlasting is his love towards you. Nothing can rest it off of you. What an amazing thing. This is a hesed, which is like this, love is such a funny word. This is this covenant committed love over us. You know, it is the opposite of a wind being blown away. Utterly fixed, utterly endless upon us. It's an amazing statement. Now, this is, so this is what the psalm is talking about towards us. This is one reason I think this, you know, take this psalm and make it one of yours. But I want to bring up something that's a tricky thing that maybe you've picked up as you walk through it and maybe you tried to ignore it because there's some difficult language. And I don't want to, um, I, I, I don't like to obsess with every weird language thing that happens in the scripture, you know, because your whole, it takes a long time to explain them sometimes and you miss the main point of the sermon. But because I'm asking you, and we're all asking us actually to, to make the Psalms your Psalms. You're going to come across these difficult parts of the text, and I want to make it doesn't trip you up. I don't know what you, if you guys notice these things. They seem to be conditional, right? And this is what I'm saying, the tricky part, right? A father has compassion on his children, the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Actually, uses that phrase three times. The Lord's love is with those who fear him, you know, his righteous children, children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. You're like, whoa, it suddenly sounds kind of conditional, doesn't it? That whole lovey-dovey mood just got broken, didn't it? You know? And, but realize off the bat, right, if you kind of took it like that, wouldn't that undermine the entire message of the whole psalm? And if you just think logically about it, my guess is the psalmist wasn't trying to undermine his entire message, right? So that it's, does, it's not, and, 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 and trust yourself with that when you're reading the Psalms, that maybe if something throws you off, it might be a bit of a modern way of thinking about something or your own kind of brokenness. That's not what's going on here. And that's not what's going on here either. So let's talk about what is going on here. By the way, those who fear him, 
It feels like a whole sentence phrase. It's not a sentence phrase. Oh, it's good. Some people online going, what just happened? It was, don't worry. Um, it's, it's, it's one word. It's one word. His fears. So you can tell it's almost like a name of his people, right? His fears. And, 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 right, and, and fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom in Scripture. Being God-fearing is a good thing. It means you're walking wanting to follow God. You can sometimes, some people think, I don't care what God thinks. I don't, you know, they walk in this world as if there's no one ever have to answer to or ever have to think about. And there's a difference saying, no, no, we walk with a constant sense, actually, that we want to follow God, we want to obey, and we want to be with Him in this world. You know, we are the fearers. And so it's basically saying, this is another way of saying, like, His people. And even the, the same idea there, the, who keep his covenant, right? This is the idea that we're not in a contract, but we're in a covenantal relationship with God. And obeying his precepts is the idea that we believe that God has shown us how to live in this world, right? Remember the Psalms, it's always who God is and his word and the scriptures are always kind of coming together as two things it's promoting. God has shown us how to live in this world and that he loves us, you know? And we're people who say, yes, I believe that. And that's how I live in the world. And so we're, we're his people. This is essentially what these, this kind of language means. People who say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. And remember, fear is not this terrible. I mean, you think about um, like wise parenting involves, involves fear, fear for your kids. You know, it's fear for your kids. You know, it's, it's not a terror, but a fear for your kids means when you go down to the beach, you're like, where's the water? <laughs> you know, fear for your kids is like, hey, what's happening in school? What are, what's happening with their friend group? Whatever, this is the kind of things that guide you. You know, I'm thinking about their future. You're actually always thinking about it. You have smart fear for your marriage. You know, when you're, when you're at work, right, aren't you, aren't you happy for the other employees who have a little fear for their job? In a good way, they, because they, because, not because you have to manage them, they don't want them to fear you, but you want them to care about doing their job right. You want them to have a right concern uh, guided by integrity. And, you know, and that's how we want to live in our life. I think about the you know, folks on like our staff, others, I don't want to manage them, but I, I want to believe, and I do, that they want to follow God with what they do. They have a, you know, that, that, that is who they're answering to and who they care about. And this is how we live our life, and God's addressing these folks who are looking to God, um, and it's addressing them. You know, this is this, 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 this covenant relationship, right? Covenants are, are commitments to one another. You know, you have... Uh, you know, when you're in a marriage commitment, right, there's ways in which you live your life as a result of that. And it's not free to do whatever. You make decisions as to some of the things you'll meditate on, some of the places you'll go, some of the people you'll be with, because you're in a covenant relationship. And it's the same thing with God. Um, I like this one writer um, uh, talked about this nature of um, kind of this paradox of what it means to be you know, Christians, we're free, we're loved, yet we have these um, obligations. How does that work? And I, I just like the way he said it. He said, um, the Christian's proud to be a fool for Christ, because he kind of talks about a fool. He goes, such a fool is obedient, yet free, under law, yet walking by grace, sinful, yet forgiven, unlovable, yet unconditionally loved, a believer, but with a healthy skepticism. The Christian claims that, uh, oh, that God is definitely revealed in Christ, yet is still the hidden one, knows deeply, but lives in a cloud of unknowing. It's kind of what it means to kind of walk and be in this world. The, uh, the psalm ends with this exalted language, 
And it's sort of after having reflected, which is the, the praise psalms always kind of go, believe, start with an exhortation, tell you why you should exhort them, and then renews your call to praise. And here's the renewal to call to praise to end the psalm. The Lord has established his throne as heaven, his kingdom rules over all. And that should remind you of the Lord's prayer again, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your kingdom come. And uh, praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his being. Sort of like a call to all of creation to give him praise. Praise the Lord, his heavenly host, you servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, finally, my soul. And so this is a beautiful psalm which exhorts us to give praise to God. Exhorts us to remember who he is, what he's done, not to forget all of his benefits. Um, and why is that so important? As we talk about, you know, having this kind of playlist for the Psalms, why is it so important to retell yourself that? Because life is hard. Because we are weak and in this world. And we, we tend to forget these things. You could talk about the great crisis of life, you know. It, it's, remember, when troubles in your life, by the way, aren't if troubles come in your life. It's when and what kind, right? We all, I hope we all know that. You know, somewhere like shocked, oh my gosh, I'm going through one of those. Yeah, you will. If you haven't yet, you will. <laughs> and once you look back and go, I can remember these different ones. And you go in those times, it is hard, you know, God has given you something that says, hey, come, you know, interact with me, you know, feel my truth in your hearts and let you know that you are not alone, that I am with you, that my love is from everlasting to everlasting. I, I can crown you. I can renew your strength like the eagle. And you will need to know that he is there. And God has given us those things for that. So I'm saying, take these psalms and put them in your pocket. They're also, they're even written in such a way that they penetrate into your hearts. But it's also, I think, many times we're actually more like, again, to go back to the rabbit analogy, he didn't actively forget. I mean, he didn't actively choose not to go upstairs. It was just through the normal things of life, he just kind of forgot. And I think that's often what happens to us, that we stop living in light of the promises of God. We stop living in light of who he is in very small, innocuous ways. And then suddenly we kind of find ourselves after a while and we're kind of, huh, I'm not kind of feeling that general sense of grace and peace like I, I used to. Or I can remember at different times I felt, man, this sense that, man, the world's amazing place because God is there and he knows me and he loves me. But I'm kind of walking as I just, I don't feel that. And I, I, I'm finally letting fears and anxieties are creeping in more and more. I'm finding even like bitterness and I don't, I don't, seem, to, I don't seem to have as much patience for people as I used to. And I'm not finding myself very forgiving or a little less grace than I have. Like what happened? And that's how it often happens is we kind of forget slowly and pretty much then we're sitting there and it's like we're in the basement all by ourselves. It's all cold and we're kind of resentful of sitting in the basement. But we realize the staircase to get upstairs to where it's warm and we can get food and we can be with people is available to us. Building the Psalms into our lives is one of the ways in which we keep that staircase before our eyes, that we remember to go back up there. You know, this is why it becomes a regular part of your life for not forgetting all his benefits, telling your soul to give him praise and thanks. And this is actually one of our goals as, as a church now, you know, to take this season and take the Psalms and really embed them into our lives for this journey that is life. 
You know, we're building, we're trying to do different things. Um, we actually have a Spotify playlist because the playlist is, you know, Psalms are also the, you know, they were sung. So we actually have, have started collecting a lot of different praise songs based on Psalms, uh, a lot of hymns that are based on Psalms, you know, having there. If you have some favorite songs, like, man, a favorite song that is a Psalm or is based on it, add it to the church playlist. We can all kind of benefit collectively from those things and listen to them. And I hope you'll take these uh, psalms as well. And um, even Psalm 103, that you'll go back in this week and maybe make this your meditation this week so that you can own it, that it becomes yours, that you know it, that you won't forget it, you'll be able to come back to it. And I want to I wanna close by recommending one other thing. And I want to ask the worship team to come up. I know you guys usually come up sneakily when I pray. And no one ever hears you, by the way. No one ever does. But... But I want to. I want us to have a. We're gonna. <laughs> the respect, no respect, you know. <laughs> I know no one's surprised. It's it's great, you know. But um, <laughs> but we want to say a prayer together, um, or not together. Actually, I want to say it, but I want us all not to kind of be able because we're not actually looking up. I want us to have our visually a little stable on that. Um, these two books. Uh, I also want to recommend, and we're going to list them in part of some of these resources that we collect as we go through this series. But these are actually prayers based on each one of the Psalms. And he kind of paraphrases a bit, but he kind of prays through the Psalms. And I think it's in a really nice way, because sometimes you look at a Psalm and you feel like, how do I connect with that? Having, there's lots of good resources, be it songs or other words. The first, these are two volumes, the first 75 Psalms and the second 75 Psalms. So we're actually going to do Psalm 103, and I'll actually pray it. And I'll read through it, and it's, but it's going to be projected. You don't have to read it, and you can either just close your eyes and listen, or you can walk through it with your eyes. But I don't want you to walk through it with, um, uh, I mean, you can walk through, you, God get, makes us reasoning billings, and you want to be thinking about what's there. But make sure you're talking to God about, it, you know, that, you're, that it's a prayer, as we say it, which is really a sort of a thing you tell your soul. So we are going to go ahead and, and do that. We'll close with that. And I will just I will pray on our behalf, but hopefully all of us will be praying it. This is Psalm 103. Praise uninhibited, thanks unrestrained to you, my Lord and God. With all that I am, I worship all that you are. Creator, sustainer, redeemer healer. When I was dragged down by darkness, you searched for me, found me, set my feet on solid ground, clothed me in a robe of righteousness, surrounded me with mercy. In your presence, my soul was refreshed, renewed, raised to new heights. Do you not invite all who labor and are heavy laden to find rest in you? Friend, advocate, Savior, to the children of your covenant, you made yourself known in law and love, in earthquake, fire, wind, a compassionate father, quick to forgive time and again. Once I walked according to my own ways, a stranger to mercy, but now I have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Once I was separated from you by a chasm I could not cross, but now I sit at your table, an heir of endless grace, wholly loved, wholly forgiven. 
Though we are here one moment, gone the next, flourishing, fading, forgotten. What am I but dust, held together by the breath of God? And yet you call me your beloved, a child of the Most High King. Your love is unending, unceasing, untiring. Generation to generation, beginning to end. For all who walk in the light of your face, who delight in your ways. You rule and reign over all creation, over all that lives and breathes, over every distant star, over the host of heaven that proclaim your glory, do your bidding. May all that exists by your joyful decree join the eternal song of praise uninhibited and thanks unrestrained to you, my Lord and God. Let all God's people say, Amen.